Welcome back to Don't Punt to Geo, your UNC football podcast on the Tar Heel Blog podcast, hosted by TarHeelBlog.com on the SB Nation podcast network. My name is Chad Floyd. We've got a special guest today to break down the South's oldest rivalry, dot, 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 but with stakes. Caroline Darney from Streaking the Lawn, the UVA sister site for Tar Heel Blog. Caroline, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it, it was absolutely my pleasure. Um, wanted to get an opposing perspective in on here, but uh, I'm doing great. You know, my self-loathing fear of UNC playing in a game with stakes has not quite crept in uh, just yeah. yet. Yeah, oh, really? Oh, it's been hanging out for weeks for us, I think. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think we're still riding the high of snatching victory from the jaws of defeat against Duke last week after, you know, <laughs> Um, just a whole mess of close games. Like, oh, there's the dog. Um, after just a whole litany of close games this year. Um, you know, just first off, I'm just going to ask you this. Where does UNC uh, rank on the list of rivals? I'm going to assume well behind Virginia Tech. But uh, for the for the Wahoos, where do we stand? Yeah, it's actually funny. I think this question has a lot to do with who you ask and what season it is. Um mm-hmm. Because for football season, I think most people will say, I know, I know the, as we've already mentioned, the South's oldest rivalry, which I found out does not have a trophy, which seems weird, considering the number of trophies that exist in college football, like the college football landscape. Like, Virginia should not have one with Florida State and not have one with the team that they've played the most times in the history of their program. But, you know, I digress. Um For a lot of, like, old school Virginia fans, UNC is the numero uno rival like they're the ones that don't like the Tar Heels and no matter what the sport it is you know it's always UNC stole this recruit or stole that recruit or whatever it is I think things get a little bit feistier in basketball season but I I do think the overall arching like who is Virginia's rival I'd put Carolina definitely in the top three um you know, most likely it's still Virginia Tech for a lot of people just the in Commonwealth disdain for each other um, add to that the fact that Virginia hasn't been able to beat them since I was an undergrad, which I will let your listeners decide how long they want to make that. Um, don't don't research and yeah, that. It's, yeah, don't look that up. Um, and it's just like that's the team where you kind of you, know, you see more of their fans around, your you know, day-to-day type stuff. But um, And Virginia fans are, are smart enough to know that we are not Carolina's biggest rival in basketball like we we know that that's fine like um i think some of it comes with as virginia's gotten a little bit better in basketball especially the past few years it's kind of renewed a little bit that those games are going to be good and competitive and usually mean something and have some sort of you know stakes um when it comes to basketball um but i'd say like probably probably number two or number three the acc is trying to make louisville a thing um <laughs> by making them our perma rival that replaced Maryland. Um, but I think actually Maryland still occupies a lot of space when it comes to rivalry, just because of all the other sports that Virginia sometimes ends up playing them in, whether it's soccer or lacrosse or whatever else. Yeah. I think uh, Carolina and Virginia are definitely good peers, you know, being kind of the public Ivies um, yeah. where NC state is not that NC state is kind of our Virginia tech where there's not the mutual respect that uh, maybe like a UNC Duke or UNC Virginia would have. But this right. thing can still Absolutely. get pretty nasty. Um, 
You know, just kind of going back, and I was, I, I love to just surf Winsipedia and just kind of scroll through, you know, some of the old games and, you know, remember things I remember. Um, I think you'll recall that at the Shutdown Fullcast live show, I had to walk away and get a beer <laughs> when Spencer Hall mentioned the 1996 game. Yeah. But um, that, that would obviously, obviously be uh, right up there as my least favorite memory from this uh, rivalry. What is your, uh, what's your favorite Virginia memory uh, just from the football side of it? Because I'm, I'm sure you've got – I mean, th- th- there's oh, enough gosh. sample size to where you can take a win there. It's funny, like, it says a lot about me as a football fan that my first thought was, like, he's going to ask me which one's my least favorite. So I had, like, oh, the 7-5 to five disaster show after Virginia beat, you know, Florida State in oh, we'll 1995. <laughs> but um, I think there's one in um, – Cedric Pierman won the game. I forget what year was that. Uh, it was an overtime game winner, 17-13. Oh, um, it was, was one, another one, one of those, like – classic 10-10 at the end of regulation type things and um Cedric Pierman rushing in for the for the game winner that was more like you know that was my that was my time um I it stinks because I do when I think of some of these I have more that stand out as um losses which again that says a lot about me um (laughs) but I think of the Two years? Oh, no, it wasn't even two years ago. There was one where Virginia was up big and um, the pick six late through. It was I think it was either Matt Johns or Grayson Lambert threw a pick six on a screen pass on like third and seven. It was like the most UVA thing to possibly happen. Um, I think that was maybe yeah. like fourteen because that was the year we started one and five and ended up bowl eligible. So that that whole season was a comeback. But that might yeah that might be that might be it. <laughs> yeah, that 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 one tracks. Um, 08's definitely on my list for least favorite. Um, you know, I I never really got friends to take uh, road trips to get away games with me, but that one fell on fall break, so we had a crew of about ten of us up there for that one. Um, I believe we were probably maybe like number eighteen, somewhere like the eighteen to twenty two range at the time. We were, had the inside track on winning our first division title and. You could just kind of see the wheels starting to come off with like four minutes left in the fourth quarter. I think y'all drove down to tie it, and then overtime was just it was it was not great. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and and that was that was when we hadn't won at Scott Stadium since I think like 1980. So we well, and that's the thing that's so weird is like this they they swapped a bunch, but up until like 2009, like y'all won seven straight, was it? And it just was like that whole, I mean, well, let's talk about that whole stretch or rather let's <laughs> not talk about that whole stretch because it's terrible. Um, but yeah, and that was the thing, you know, Virginia winning the last two was kind of like, you see a little bit what Broncos trying to do. 2017 was when they finally started winning some road games, which is going to be a huge aspect of this game this weekend, I think, because last year Virginia had to, had some success there um, here and there, but, this season, you know, you lose at Notre Dame, no problem, like no shame there. Obviously, yeah. Michigan just dismantled them, but it is, you know, I have no issue with them losing. It stinks because Virginia played so well in the first half to see the second half play out the way that it did with the turnover issues. And honestly, the Notre Dame defense doesn't, or offense does not scare me at all. They literally were struggle city against Virginia's defense, but because um, the offensive line struggled and Bryce maybe held onto the ball a little bit long, didn't know guys were coming um, 
and fumbled a few times and put them in such good field position that that was just like, well, that's how that's going to end. But the game at Miami will haunt my nightmares forever. Um, and I honestly picked Louisville as a loss for this Virginia team just because I thought, like, on the road something weird was going to happen. Like, you know, and honestly, Louisville's better than I think a lot of people slash everybody not on the team thought they were going to be, um, which is a scathing indictment of Petrino, but well, that's for another podcast. Um, no, I, I think so I said those exact. The, I think I said those exact four <laughs> words on the uh, ACC podcast earlier this week. Yes, it's just. I mean, it's so true. Like, look what happens when you have a coach that cares. Literally, is what it comes down to. So, um, yeah, those. Maybe I like un- unknowingly like gleaned that for me when I edited the podcast. Um, but be. it's just like. I don't losing on the road in conference play is not that bad. Like it's not, it's tough. There's a reason that it's difficult to win on the road. That's a thing that people talk about, whether it's football or basketball or whatever. Um, but it, you, you need to see, you know, that's going to be a big part of this game coming up is can Virginia get any sort of offense going on the road. And that's going to be a big question. Yeah. And um, just to kind of dive into it. I mean, the first, you know, we, we can just, go ahead and acknowledge that the Virginia offensive line for whatever reason is just not great this year. Um, Yeah. But where is Bryce Perkins at right now? Because just watching the game on uh, Saturday, which I I rewatched a little bit of it on Tuesday. I mean, he just doesn't look quite right. Um, I know he's been nursing a knee injury for most of the season, but is it just a a factor of the offensive line just not being nearly as good, not giving him enough time to cook or is he – just a little hobbled? Is he not able to plant? Like, uh, what, what's going on with old Bryce? I think there's a few things at play, one of which is the offensive line. I think, so Bryce against Miami was the first game that Virginia, he, that he played without the knee brace. So he was close to, and I thought his performance against Duke the next weekend was getting much closer to what we saw last week or last year, like that he was more mobile, that he was more himself. And there was a discussion this past week, and I, I kind of understand you know, the thought process from the coaching staff that now that the backup quarterback, Brendan Armstrong, is back on the depth chart, I don't know that he's necessarily 100%, but that he's well enough to be listed as the backup again. They got a little bit more creative with the play calling, which I appreciate because also, like, granted, please don't let Bryce get hit so many times. He's not going to make it through the season, and we're just going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, So that's what was so devastating against Louisville is when he got rolled up on. It's just that it seemed like it finally was trending in the right direction. And honestly, outside of the first half looked so promising and there were just still a couple mistakes that Virginia made where you're like, you can't do this. You can't throw an interception on the goal line when you're about to take a like 21 to seven lead into the half and get the ball back in the second half. Like, Especially you can't on the road. do that on the road. Like and you can't, these guys know that turnovers are bad. I'm not saying that they don't. And Joe Reed is an outstanding player who does amazing things every single time he touches the ball. When you have guys fumble in enemy territory and set up the other team with short field when you're already struggling with some momentum issues, they did that against Miami too. Like a really nice drive, just completely derailed by a, a fumble. Um, and they weren't able to create the turnovers like they were against Duke. So these things combined. So yes, I don't think Bryce is at a hundred percent. I do think that he's better than he looked better at times in the second half. 
um, then obviously right after he left the field. Um, there's a big debate going on in some message boards whether 70% Bryce is better than, you know, 100% Brennan Armstrong. Um, I don't know. But he's also not completely absolved of guilt when it comes to the offensive woes because, like I said, there are some times where maybe he wasn't as aware of the pocket or um, didn't find a receiver, didn't go through his reads and or held on the ball too long or should have thrown it away and took a sack. Like there's a few of those things that have just kind of added up. And so this is going to be a really interesting game in that respect because the offense needs to do the defense some favors. Um, and this is, you know, they're going to face the UNC team that is going to be hungry. This is a chance to make a statement. Um, this is a chance that UNC is going to be healthier than probably they have been all season. So it kind of feels like maybe Virginia's skidding a little bit into this game while UNC's got a little bit of a momentum boost. Yeah, and to Bryce's credit, I mean, generally when you know you don't have a really good offensive line in front of you, you know, you do kind of start to hesitate and panic and miss your reads a little sure, bit. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the, the kind of interesting thing for me is with UNC having played Duke and uh, Quentin Harris being a mobile quarterback, not nearly the uh, caliber of quarterback that Bryce is, um, the heels were really, really well able to control kind of the A and B gaps um, against the Blue Devils. And you would think it would basically be about the same game plan against Virginia, just accounting for the fact that, you know, while their O-line is worse, uh, Bryce and the skill position players are significantly better. Um, yeah. I get, I, you know, I, I guess my question is, what kind of wrinkles do you think uh, Bronco and the offensive staff would kind of do to, you know, negate some of the proof of concept that the heels showed? Because obviously, Hasis Dubois is awesome. Uh, Joe Reed, yeah. you know, is, hasn't really been explosive uh, as a receiver. You know, he's only averaging nine yards a catch, but he is extremely explosive. Um, I don't know. Who, who's the guy to watch out for just from the Virginia skill position players? Oh, great question. Um, I mean, yeah, you touch on, on Hasis and, and Joe, and I think that's one of the things that when Virginia is discussed a lot, there's a lot of people that kind of say, like, you know, Bryce does it all himself, but he's got no help. And I'm a big – I'm not a proponent of that aspect because he really does have some really good receivers. I'll throw Terrell Jana in there too. He might be a third guy to watch. He's mm -hmm. real, real. He had a, a missed catch last week that was kind of, but it was a tough throw in the rain. You know, people don't catch every single thing. So, but Terrell Jana is a guy that I think has been, uh, has exceeded my expectations. He's kind of a guy that like, I didn't know what to expect from him. And I thought that he has performed really well this season. Um, Hasis Dubois, like a guy, I cannot believe his catches. Like, it, throw the ball anywhere near him, and he's going to come down with it. It's going to be impressive. But the big question, and what a lot of our fans are extraordinarily frustrated with right now, is going to be play calling. Like, what are we going to see from, you know, Coach and I, Tal Wayne Talapapa, who's a very capable running back. Obviously, he's no Joe Reed when you lose a guy like Joe Reed. Um, sorry, not Joe Reed. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I just completely blanked on his name now. Jordan Ellis. Um, yeah, I, 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 I was trying to year. think of it too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was just like, uh, I know who you're talk, trying to talk about, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah, when you lose Jordan Ellis or you lose Alameda Zacchaeus, like those are guys that can create and and have these explosive plays and yards after contact. And and Paula Papa had such a great first half. And then the question was from all the fans. 
why didn't we see more of that in the second half? Where was he? Why did he only get three carries when he was averaging 6.5 yards per carry in the first half against a not-so-great Louisville run defense? So, you know, Carolina, when you looked at the teams that Virginia was going to be playing the rest of the season in the conference, you see that Louisville, UNC, and Georgia Tech were three of the, were the bottom three in various order of the rushing defenses in the first half it looked like Virginia was going to take advantage of that and then it kind of fell off I don't know what the cause of that is and especially when you have injuries with Bryce like why are you not just going to try and get some more of these runs off but I'd be curious to see what they do with Talapapa against UNC um, because again like it looks like on paper or in stats or the numbers say that this is a team that you potentially could rush on um, and when Virginia did that successfully against Duke and then was able to get some more passing lanes open, that's when they just stomped Duke. So uh, this offense has been fun. To, like there are times where it moves down the field and you're like, this is great. These are great play calls. They're picking up chunk yardage. They're not going to beat you with a 45-yard pass. They're not going to go deep. They're not going to get one of those quote-unquote explosive plays. But um, when they're moving, that's fine. It's just the stalls usually in the red zone that have really given our fans fits. Yeah, um, I, I don't mean to dig this back up, but yeah, that Miami game was <laughs> tough to watch if if I watch it through a UVA lens. Um, yeah, I've, I've always characterized uh, your offense here since y'all have been on the come up more really just as uh, efficient and not explosive. Uh, y'all are really good. See, I believe it was something like 42% on third down, you know, kind of one of those situations where if it's yeah. third and four, you're going to get five yards. And that plays pretty well um, against a UNC defense that is lacking some depth, um, despite the fact that we might actually get three guys back in the secondary. Which yeah. That honestly is the biggest uh, key factor that we have going on because Duke figured out in the second half that you could basically just throw back shoulders against two corners who opened the season basically as four stringers and move yeah. the ball pretty well. Um, the heels are looking to get storm duck, uh, Trey Morrison and miles Wolfolk back. So that's three fourths of your starting secondary. So we'll see just uh, how healthy they are. Cause I expect Virginia is going to try to um, exploit that a little bit. And that's, you know, I like the I, – I, that's one of the matchups I like. It's just a matter of can Bryce get enough time to get good looks at some of these tall receivers. And that's one of the things I think, like, you know, you, like you said, you've seen a lot of fades against UNC. Um, yeah, that's going to be – so much of it just comes down to, like, how much time is Bryce going to get? What can he do and how healthy is he? Now, our uniforms look awesome. So I'm excited about that. We're going white on white on white. So that is the one thing I'm the most confident about, that they'll look straight fire on the field. <laughs> so the, the Heels have gone uh, all white twice this year, and they lost at, uh, to Wake Forest and Virginia Tech in those two games. So I'm, I, I welcome a team wearing all white uh, on the road <laughs> just because I'm a little yeah. superstitious that way. But uh, we're going blue on blue on blue. So, you know, it's going to so be – So wait, the navy blue or the, or the Carolina blue? No, nah, Carolina blue. Okay, there you go. I mean, I see. I think is it Mac is just a big fan of the Navy. I feel like I've seen a lot more Navy out of y'all this year. That that was the only game we've uh, worn Navy this year. You know that that was what more of a fedora it? thing where I know I know we tried to do black instead of Navy with those um, like 
arena league uniforms we had for a couple of years. But uh, yeah, that that was the first time we've gone navy. And I don't think you'll ever see us go navy against Virginia just because that's y'all's primary color. Like right. I, I know we've done it on the pants on the road a couple times, but yeah, no, it's going to be a really aesthetically pleasing game. Um, at I least think it will. <laughs> at, at least in a still shot. I'm I'm not so sure about what we're actually going to see on the field because with Virginia's offensive line struggles, uh, for everything we've talked about with that, and you know. We'll see with UNC's defense. They're a different team week to week. Virginia's defense is pretty freaking good. Um, I have nightmares about Charles Snowden. (laughs) Yeah. I believe it was last year where he batted down no less than five of Nathan Elliott's passes uh, at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, Nathan Elliott, I'm sure he's a great guy, but he was not a good quarterback. Uh, He's also (laughs) about the same height as Sam Howell. So I'm just kind of fearing, like, of uh, Howell's five interceptions this year, uh, three of them have just been tipped at the line of scrimmage and popped right up. So that yeah. that worries me. Um, then you have Zane Zandier and Jordan Mack. Like, y'all just always have good linebackers, and it frustrates yeah. the hell out of me when it comes time to play y'all. Um, so who is who is your favorite of the Virginia linebackers? Oh, great question. I think I, I think I also am going Charles Snowden. I absolutely adore this guy. He's just like, he's football's Malcolm Brogdon, like in the sense that like, he's just, they call him the prez. Like it's like the whole thing, like his persona and he's so well-spoken and put together and interested in, in other issues and is vocal on, on Twitter and always just like really until he's really bought into the community, like that whole thing. Um, but just the way that he plays, like that length, the ferocity, like ferocity that he plays with, just he—he's one of the guys that you're like, how is he literally everywhere? Um, and he fits so well yeah. into the scheme. He's a guy that's like perfect for what they're trying to do. Um, obviously, I don't know. I mean, Jordan Mack is going to miss the first half, which is devastating for us, um, thanks to a targeting call in the second half against Louisville. Um, but the the freshman that stepped in last week. Um, did pretty well his, he graded out well I think someone said he had like 70 something on his tackles so uh, he's had a week now to prepare knowing he's going to get more time that's another position that they you know Robert Snyder was a guy that potentially could have been a starter in that position but um, is also out for the season so now you've got you know Bryce Hall out for the season Rob Snyder out for the season um, and then uh, I always mix this Darius Bratton um, one, who was supposed to be the other starting corner across from Bryce Hall um, is out for the season. So that's going to be an interesting um, first half if Virginia can keep things, you know, I worry about Sam Howell, which I did not think that would be saying when the season started, if we're being totally honest. Um, but he's a great quarterback, and it's just a matter of can Virginia disrupt him enough to make him make mistakes while, you know, asking the guys downfield and the defensive backs to stay on their marks long enough that he can't pull off some sorcery. Yeah, uh, Carolina fans have been just all up in the comments on Tar Heel blog and on the other various message boards just wanting to fire Phil Longo because he doesn't have a short to intermediate passing game. And (laughs) it's absolutely baffling to me. (laughs) I'm just based on the fact that UNC's basically got nine underclassmen starting on offense. The, The biggest question for me just becomes, you know, can can Carolina protect Howell, uh, give him enough time because they will take some shot plays just because Virginia is going to kind of try to suffocate the field uh, underneath and make 
the heels beat them deep. I kind of wonder if uh, guys like Snowden, guys like Matty Alonzo can't get to the quarterback yeah. and make that a little bit more difficult. And then, you know, Virginia, obviously extremely good against the run too, averaging 3.1 yards of carry um, on defense yeah. right now. So it's, uh, I'm a little bit curious to see what exactly uh, the heels are going to do to game plan against uh, the Virginia defense. But, you know, when, when you've, when you're playing up, when you're playing against a defense that's top 15 in SP plus, um, the Hills have done that a couple times this year. They found some success against Clemson. They found some success against uh, Miami and South Carolina. So I'm sure yeah. they'll have something game planned. I'm not positive right now what that's going to be. And I like <laughs> I, I, I normally try to pick like a matchup. I, I just don't know where it is yet. Yeah, and that's what I'm looking at. You know, I really like this. I just really like this defense and not to be so stereotypical like UVA fan now where it's like the defense is so great. We worry about the offense a little bit, but defense, defense. Um, I feel like a lot this football season, I felt like I'm getting ahead of myself for basketball season with some of the descriptions because it's a, the offense is going to take like, you know, they're efficient. They've been up until a few mistakes here and there we've already talked about, but they've been efficient. They control time of possession, like all these things. It's like UVA basketball bingo. Wow. Um, Y'all do have a supported. brand, don't you? Yeah, seriously. Other than lacrosse. <laughs> lacrosse. Well, I will say lacrosse has started to like, they've implemented some of the defense, like, you know, Lars Tiffany has literally talked to Tony Bennett and like implemented actually some of the things offensively of like passing up a, good shot for a great shot and so I'm like oh my god we're all becoming one team like literally that plays every sport the same way but that's a whole separate <laughs> discussion a whole separate podcast about the brand of Virginia right now but um but yeah this is a defense that has been able to even in that game against Louisville technically Virginia had a shot at the end to tie it like they had the ball the 40 yard line after recovering the onside kick like you know that's they've been in every game and seeing how Carolina has played every game. Sorry to y'all seriously with your hearts, you must be like ready to just cry and want to take a nap on Saturdays. Cause every single game is like such an adventure, but um, oh, I'm like, you, <laughs> you look at that and I'm like, okay, like this should be a game. So it's a matter of like, can Virginia's defense come up with maybe a few turnovers to help set up the offense or, you know, hold, Carolina do a, a field goal attempt instead of that touchdown um, score or something like that. So I think that's going to be where a lot of the um, a lot of the questions for me are going to fall in that area. Like, can the defense do enough to slow down Carolina to give the offense an opportunity to win the game? Yeah, I that that that's spot on with kind of the way I see this playing out. Like, I think both. You know, Virginia with their efficiency and Carolina maybe a little bit more explosively. I, I think both teams are going to move the ball pretty steadily between the 20s. But both yeah. teams have struggled uh, punching in touchdowns in the red zone. And I think that kind of makes the difference in this game. Um, so with that being the perfect segue, Caroline, how do you see this <laughs> one playing out? It's I, I, I guess it's about as good a time as any for predictions. Yeah, let's do it. Um, ooh, I have no idea. Predictions are always like <laughs> uh, my preseason. I try and stay steady with my preseason predictions if there's not a bunch of not a bunch of info to change my mind. Um, That's impossible. So I, I, pick, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I think this is one that. Um, oh man, this is going to be real close. It's the heart and the head thing. Like you know, you want to say 
I'll pick Virginia to win a close one. I think it's going to be something like 24-21, something like that. But if Carolina wins it 24-21, I'd be like, yeah, it makes sense, or a touchdown. I don't think this one's going to be decided by more than a touchdown. Yeah, uh, neither do I. I, I, I was kind of go- leaning towards the 26 to 19 Carolina, just because I do okay. think we might be able to hit a little bit more explosive plays than uh, Virginia, but 26, 19 does imply that there will be a lot of stalled out drives for both teams that end in field goals. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I, I think it'll be kind of a hectic and chaotic game that, you know, just kind of stalls out just when, the tension gets real high. So I don't know. I, I feel like uh, by our standards, that's a comfortable win for us. And I don't intend for it to sound <laughs> that way. I think it's going to be another game where, you know, we're, we're all taking years off our lives uh, towards the end. Yeah. Of it. Watch, watch now that we both predicted like a relatively low scoring game, it's going to be like 48, 41. And just, I don't want another like six overtime type thing. You know what I mean? But <laughs> no, I, I Sorry. I do not want that. Yeah, come on. That 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 was kind of a low blow. Sorry. And, well, I don't know. That was a game for Virginia fans that was like the Alonzo Morning gift was basically exactly how that Virginia fans felt about that mm-hmm. game. It's like, oh, Tech won. And then you're like, no, oh, but Virginia's alone in first in the Coastal. So, okay. But yeah, but yeah, yeah for alone in first, <laughs> but still like a game and a half out of uh, being last place. Like it, th- th- this whole thing's just stupid at this point. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> I love it, it so much. <laughs> it's a glorious uh, train wreck dumpster fire that you just will never be able to look away from. Uh, Caroline, tell the people about yourself uh, where they where they can find you if um, if they're looking for some UVA content this week. Yeah, absolutely. And especially as basketball season's getting ready to ramp up, give me a follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're interested on Twitter, at CWDarney, D-A-R-N-E-Y. Um, and you can always pop on over to streakingalon.com. Um, check out the content over there uh, for Virginia stuff that you might need. And then also uh, I do a little dabbling with the SBNation.com when basketball season comes around. So uh, looking forward to it. And I'm excited to hear no Zion stuff, but more Cole Anthony stuff. So. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I'm fearing that the nation gets the fatigue and I have to live on the other side of that, but I feel like that's got to be better. Um yeah, you you know we play in basketball on the same day as the ACC championship, right? ACC Unless one of us is in it, which is what I love. They gave a little there's a little flex in case one of our teams is playing in the championship game against Clemson. So, yeah, right now it's scheduled. That's the one in Charlottesville. Um mm-hmm. so and that's uh, mid-December, early December, um, since we're doing the fun start with conference play. All the Virginia fans, let me tell you, are stoked about opening the season at Syracuse after winning a national championship. <laughs> like, oh, we lost half of our team and we get to play the zone? Great. Can't wait. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sy- Syracuse isn't really going to beat anybody uh, of note this year, I don't feel like. So, y'all will be fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let, let's say this, Caroline. Uh, may the winning team force them to move the uh, ACC or the basketball game to Friday night. Yeah, let's do that. I can I can live with that. I think. Okay, <laughs> I, I can I can also live with that. Um, as for me, obviously, you can find me at Chad underscore Floyd on the Twitter. That's not the obvious part. Uh, you can find me hosting this podcast most of the time. We also have What in Tarnation with our 
awesome site runner, Tanya Bondurant and uh, Brandon Anderson, one of our editors. Go ahead, jump on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. If you do so, I will read it on the air. We don't have any new ones this week, which y'all are still slacking. Go ahead and do that. Uh, Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Caroline, thanks again. And for everybody else, keep it locked and go Heels.